the Space Case Sarah Show with space nerds Kobe and Benjamin. Who is Space Case Sarah? Spunky, edgy, smart, funny, and a rebel feminist. Now, witness it yourself on iRock Space Radio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Space Case Sarah Show with my space nerds, Kavi Rose and Benjamin Salas, who just had some, you know, technical difficulties. It happens to all of us, but we're all here now. We're ready to rock and roll. Um, we are naming this episode the Helium episode because that's a just seemed like it would make sense. Although I was the only one who dedicated and committed to go getting some helium for this episode. So I don't know why, but it makes me a little nervous to breathe in helium. I'm not sure. Like I, I scuba dive. It shouldn't be that weird, but I, for really some helpful. reason it's, it's weird. So I'll get there. We'll, we'll play with helium in a little bit, but uh, Hey guys, how's it going? How have, how has your week been? Oh, it's, it's been, been a week. week. It's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I feel like I feel like it's just a, it's a dangerous question to ask anybody who's you know in graduate school it's like how's your week been oh it's been never-ending but no yeah. it's been fun I'm I'm loving this research honestly I feel like I'm, yeah. I've got some very exciting things to share with you guys in the coming weeks but for now I have to Ooh. oh zip zip and yourself <laughs> sir Benjamin uh yeah I've been good um COVID's almost going away I feel much, 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 much better. Um, my voice is back to normal-ish. Just have a cough that keeps coming down again, but I'm happy. Well, we're it's glad over. to hear that. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I've uh, if I've caught COVID yet or not. I honestly, I have no idea. But I am triple vaccinated now, so hopefully that'll keep same here. Yeah, yeah. So Me yeah, too. the helium case. Um, I guess let's start with, I have some questions about helium before we get into more space topics. And my pressing question really is, why does helium make our voices high-pitched? Do one of you know that? Like, what is the science behind helium and the vocal cords that makes I feel like I knew this once and I cannot for the life of me remember. Is it because it's, because it's a lighter it rises gas? Quicker. I think it's because it rises quicker. Yeah, I feel like I remember hearing that it had something to do with the the way that it affected your vocal cords, but maybe right. I'm completely wrong. No, no, you're right. You're right. All right. Let me get a balloon here. Um, also <laughs> demonstrating, we should make a note to really do a lot more study for the elements. Helium balloons, because... Um, because no other balloons would work. Well, right. Oh, I needed Jurassic it to be balloons. as close to science as possible, even though I was... Like the guy who was filling up the balloons must have thought I was just a total loser because I was like, I want like a sciencey kind of theme balloon, but technically Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs are from the Cretaceous. But um, I'm doing a space podcast. So I need those dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm doing a space podcast. <laughs> oh, God. We were talking about dinosaurs in the last episode. So I guess it, it, it's a nice kind of segue to naturally yes. bring us in. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, yes, God. Yes. Okay. So, uh, while, while I work up my bravery to cut this balloon and breathe some of it in, um, sure. we all have segments that we wanted to bring. And I think that the first chunk of recording is a great time to bring up our different segments and different things that we, uh, we want to discuss. I really wanted to make a quick mention, even though this will be airing after the peak, tonight mm -hmm. is the peak for the Mercedes meteor shower. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it is also a supermoon. So <laughs> it's not going to be really visible. I did Damn, see some. 
Yeah, the super moon. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I did see some, but I guess it's not going to be nearly as spectacular as it normally is. But that is what's out there tonight in the night sky for those of you who are interested in astronomy. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, helium fact. Let's start with that. As I cut this balloon, oh my god, I'm scared. I only know the one helium fact that I have at the ready. Okay. Uh, another Carl Sagan fact that he mentioned in Cosmos is that uh, <laughs> thanks to spectroscopy, we discovered helium on the sun before we ever found it here on Earth. Which is wild. What it year is that wild. Happened? What year did that happen? That happened. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. In the 70s. You know in the everything. 70s. In the 70s. In the 70s. 60s. Okay. 60s. 60s. Yes. That late. Wow. Okay. Okay, okay. No, earlier than that. No, no, no. Way earlier than that. Whatever. Breathe yeah, in. Like this. No. I love it. Did did you do something oh, yeah. to your voice? No, not at all. No, that's that's quick though. Okay. Am I having um, more technical problems with the stupid computer? Alright, Cody, now you go. It's the lollipop guild. <laughs> I feel like we're losing a little bit of the effect of hearing the helium so, voice okay, because right, it's on, just helium on, laughter. That's all we're getting. <laughs> Try to say something serious. All right, Copy. Now on. you need to give your uh, your fact of the day. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, so I guess um, the helium-related thing that I could say um, is the fact that helium... Uh, comes from the same root word as Helios, the, the Greek god of the sun. And so that kind of connects to what Benjamin was saying about how we discovered it in the sun before we realized that it was coming, you know, from the universe. That this was, it was an element that existed elsewhere because it's actually incredibly rare on Earth. Yeah. Um, most of the helium that, you know, it, that exists in the universe was created by the Big Bang. And the rest of it is created by stars after they burn hydrogen and kind of fuse it into helium. Um, and it's just, you know, like this this kind of magnificent, awesome power of this chemical made by nuclear fusion. We're just like, yeah, let's mess around with it at kids' birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> let's inhale it and then talk in high-pitched voices. <laughs> so, it's incredibly rare, so let's waste it. <laughs> First spectral lines for helium was first discovered in 1882. Oh. My bad. 1882. Yeah. 1882. I think it actually happened during an eclipse um, because when when you have an eclipse um, and the moon blocks out the sun, you can see the mm. edges of the edges of the sun more clearly. And so I think in in the discovery, correct me if I'm wrong, they were actually able to see the gases at the edge of the sun and the, the light that was coming through there. And, uh, well, Spectral Lines needs to be its, its own episode as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't yes, know if we have time to yes. get into it now. That's, that's, some of, that's one of my favorite things in science, uh, truly. Um, all right. Well, I wanted to get also some of the formalities out of the way. We have social media accounts that are starting to announce and blossom. Yes. In, in, our, in our new show. Uh, so I, you know, make sure if you're a fan of iRock Space Radio to go to iRock Space Radio's Facebook page and their TikTok and their Twitter and their Instagram. But then we all have our own independent accounts as well. I'm Space Casera 22 on Instagram. You guys are, you can go ahead and say it. At Fun Fact Science on all the good social media platforms and the bad ones too. <laughs> 
And I am uh, Benjamin, and you can find me at Science Actually or Actually Science. Give it a whirl on all the various science social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and of course the big one on Facebook. On Facebook. All right. I also want to do a giveaway because I think that we should start by doing a cool giveaway. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have now like hats and stickers and t-shirts and all those things. So I'm saying we're going to create a big giveaway where you're going to get like all the things get a hat get a t-shirt get the stickers get get a like a irock package but you need to have a keyword i feel like helium's a little too easy so i can read off some spacey sciencey birthdays that are coming up today and this weekend if someone mentions one of those that could be sure we can do that or if you want to do we something can, else yes who pick pick two science birthdays and either one will work oh man that'll be the giveaway oh man i then i prepared way too much but i got a lot okay (laughs) well uh today is august 11th it's also the birthday of frederick uh, sturko nasa astronaut who's been on four shuttle flights and he also piloted two test flights for spaceship two which is a part of the virgin galactic fleet And also, today's the birthday of Vikram Sarabhai, if I pronounced his name wrong, I'm sorry. He's the father of the Indian space program. Uh, He grew up quite wealthy, he studied science and engineering, and he put together, mostly on his own, to start India's first space program, and he stuck around long enough to watch them launch their first rocket. So. Frederick Sturka, a NASA astronaut who also flew for Virgin Galactic, and Vikram Sarabhai, who started India's space program. There you go. Happy uh, birthdays birthdays, to both of them. And if you give us one of those two names, you are getting an IROC package. Package of Christmas. Also, and you can always go to our website, too, and sign up for Crew Club and get a a T-shirt, too. So... That is kind of the the formal beginning part of this. I have a little bit of helium left, so I'm going to uh, finish this balloon off. Isn't there a limit to how much like how much helium one should consume? I'm pretty sure I remember like there's there's kind of a I would guess it's a lot, but I'm sure it's a lot. Let's not yeah. encourage anyone to do anything. Yeah, I guess this is my disclaimer, kids. Don't do this at home. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, having said it's much that, easier it's just lot. to do a full set of. <laughs> Having said that, here we go. So, uh, oh, that wasn't even that much. Okay. We're going to, uh, we're going to segue into our first break, but make sure you hang in there. We have a little bit of music that we'll be playing. And when we come back, we will continue some really nerdy, uh, I don't know, probably some more. I have five more balloons back here. (laughs) So you are listening to the Space Case Sarah show with space nerds, Connie and Benjamin here on IROC Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space K Sarah show, where I do encourage my uh, my co-hosts to sing. So they were only Lionel were... Richie songs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're uh, we're still having sort of this introductory sort of phase in our recording relationship, where we're getting to know each other, getting to know each other's style, our flow, our jokes, our puns. We know that Kavi is the master of creating memes on the fly. Seriously, because our last episode, he referenced making a donut 
spaghetti-fied black hole kind of thing, and I saw it on Twitter within hours later. <laughs> so, ultimate. so if you're listening to the, the show and you are like, huh, that was that weird thing that they posted a picture of like a few days ago. It's that's why. Because we record and then and then we'll do some real-time reactions to our own uh, silly sense of humor. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll catch up with us. In, Just in be thankful couple- that I'm actually waiting to do it after the show because like I'll be in meetings with colleagues and I will make the meme while they're talking and send it to them, which kind of has a tendency to throw them off their game a little bit. Oh, I've done that strategy. at work. It's a great thing to do at work. Is that your grad school strategy of survival too? Like, like they, yeah. they're coming down yeah. on you and you're like, ah, oh, look at this meme. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Huh? No, don't look over yeah. here. Don't look at my results. <laughs> look at this meme. Right. I hate to burst your bubble, but that's a way to survive in working world as well. Oh. Nobody wants to be in a meeting. They want to see <laughs> right. everyone on their phone anyway. Times that this could have been a meeting. <laughs> uh, we wanted to backtrack to the the meteor shower and explain what a meteor shower is and why it happens and why you can predict where they're coming from each year. I actually was outside doing sidewalk astronomy the other night and I saw a couple really big meteorites um, coming and burning down. And I kind of, I actually even kind of forgot about the Persades meteor shower only because I had just heard from everyone like, oh, between light pollution and the moon being a supermoon, it's really not, you're going to have to find very dark locations to mm-hmm. see it. So I wasn't really thinking about it, but a couple of them really jumped out at me. Um, so let's talk about that. The, the meteor shower, I do want to drop this cause I did look it up is a result of the swift tuttle comet. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will let you take it from there. <laughs> Benjamin, you want to take this one or should I? No, please do. I'm just laughing outside um, about the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 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 like you were saying, Sarah, it's the result of a comet. And comets and other celestial objects are things that astronomers are pretty good at tracking, right? We know where things are in space and we know how fast they're moving. And so we can figure out, okay, if they're starting here and they're moving in this way, will they be in a year? Will they be in a month? Will they be in 10 years? And there's actually some really cool software available online that you can even play around with, like where the stars were 2,000 years ago and where they'll yes. be a million years yes. into the future. Yes. It's actually, so cool. I, a really a quick side note to that. Um, at the Field Museum, because I live near Chicago, they mm. redid Sue, the, the world's famous T-Rex. Um, they did redid her exhibit and she's got these screens that line up behind her and they actually consulted Adler Planetarium to figure out what the sky would have looked like when Sue was around. So it's a, it's accurate wow. to that time era. Mm-hmm. But continue. <clears throat> Amazing. No, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah, and so with this knowledge, with this incredible power, we can basically predict where the comet's going to be at different times. And what happens with uh, meteor showers is that the Earth's path through space, through the solar system, and the path of the comet intersect right? So you'd think, oh no, like if the Earth's path and the comet's path are intersecting, that means the comet's going to crash into us and, you know, especially <laughs> through the dinosaur would not be kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually the people no, on, the, on the TV going, you're all going to die! <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing like that, thankfully. But basically the comet, as it travels through space on this orbital path, is leaving a trail of dust and gas and tiny rocks and that's what the earth is passing through right we're not actually hitting the comet we're just 
passing through the trail left behind by the comet. And so as the Earth's path intersects the path and this trail left by the comet, all these tiny uh, rocks and bits of dust, grains, and all these small things hit our atmosphere and burn up in the atmosphere. And so that's actually what we're seeing when we see a meteor shower. We're seeing all these little tiny flecks of dust and rock hitting the atmosphere and burning up. And so that's why we'll know exactly where they are. And that's why they happen on a regular interval. So whether this is an annual thing or whether this is, you know, something that happens at a a kind of a longer period between each time that we see it. Sure. And um, you're Benjamin, kind of our history buff, science nerd fact, kind of, kind of, but so, no, I'm just thinking, uh, thinking about this because, you know, early humans would look up and they'd see things and they'd be like, WTF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and unanimously, uh, every civilization viewed a comet as a bad omen. Right. But what did they view like meteorite showers? Were those bad inherently too? I mean, they're, you know, they're the same thing. They're technically part of a comet. They just, they wouldn't have known that. So are, are more primitive, I guess you could say ancestors. Yeah. Whenever they looked at the night sky, they were pretty, you know, yeah, comforted in how stable they appear to be. Sure. Right. There are only a few of the stars that moved and those few didn't twinkle because they're planets and they're much closer. And so they understood, you know, that's just the way the heavens work. Some of them thought those were gods. Some of them thought those were campfires. Some of them thought whatever, but all around the world, they all pretty much thought, this, you know, as long as they don't change, we're cool. Right. Um, and so usually bad omens was assigned to anything that came out of the ordinary. I would assume a comet would be much more catastrophic in in, in, in their interpretations than a simple meteor shower. But uh, still, you know, anything different could was interpreted as a often, not always, often negative connotation. Sure. And I guess, you know, meteor showers are predictable and they show up at the same time each year. So this would probably be the type of meteor shower that they'd be like, oh, this means summer's coming to a close. We probably should, you know, start fall. I was actually going to ask, I was going to ask Kavi, is there, are there like a few major comets that are the, you know, the main culprits behind our regular uh, meteor showers? Or we just know that there's going to be a meteor shower around this time because we're going to be going in the path of a few different comets or something like that? That's a, that's a really good question, Benjamin. I, I don't know for sure, but that would make sense. I mean, we have these regular big meteor showers every year, right? Like the Perseids, uh, Leonids, the, um, you know, I think it's, it's almost like once per quarter uh, and and the rest. (laughs) The other ones that we have to Google how to say their names ones. Yeah. I I got it. I got it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and, and I would assume that each of them would have a well-known relatively, uh, you know, well-constrained in terms of how often it passes comet associated with it. Um, I don't know exactly which comets like this one. We said it's the comet, uh, Swift Tuttle, um, but yeah, I would assume so. That that's that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Final answer. So if, you, if he's wrong, you come after Kavi, not us. We're gonna <laughs> we plead the what fifth I, over here. We go down as a team. And then he goes, <laughs> "Look at my spaghetti donut meme." <laughs> it's a meme. Just look at the meme. What, what, I, what the I will meme. say. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I will say, definitely not to change the subject to point away from my own ignorance, is that um, a lot of these. <laughs> A lot of these, a lot of these um, 
um, you know, we were talking about how our ancestors view these, you know, strange events, these, these changes that were happening in the sky. Um, there are a lot of civilizations that actually had like really surprisingly good understandings and Absolutely. would be able to track not just the passage of time and the seasons, but also like, um, you know, like hunting patterns for different animals. I mean, um, the Aboriginal and First Nations people here in Australia, um, they all saw, I mean, you know, you had different groups across the country. They weren't all, you know, one group, but I think all or most of them had different myths associated with the center of the galaxy and the great emu constellation. And that basically when they would see at different times of the year, the emu or the center of the galaxy being a different place, that would mean, okay, is now the time of the year that we hunt emu eggs or is now the time of the year that we let the emus breed. And I like, that's just, you know, the first example off the top of my head, sure. but all of these things, um, you know, all these things that now we're slowly understanding what these constellations are doing on a physical level, all had associations tens of thousands of years ago. Um, it makes me think of, you know, like the, the pyramids of Giza and, um, and also there's a temple in Egypt that, uh, there's like, there's a certain point in every year that the sun shines in on three of mm. the four statues. Um, except one of the statues always stays in the shadows. Cause that's the one that represents death. So there's like a, at any given wow. point, um, yeah. so it can sh shine in at some points, but at one, like two times a year, I should say it can shine in and it hits all of the, the gods that are in that temple, except for that one. And that was done intentionally. And, um, I mean, I can't even uh, figure out like East and West sometimes when I'm just driving around. Uh, anyone who knows me in real life will can completely attest to this, that I am so directionally challenged. So the fact that, you know, early people could do this to me, <laughs> I don't remember who I had this conversation with. I feel like it was with you, Kavi, at one point where I was like, if, if you know, uh, the Enlightenment age, I would not have been able to contribute to that. Mm-mm. No, I, I don't think so. We'd all be still probably riding horses <laughs> if, if it were people like me. But, um, well, but you know, if you're in the area in the Northern hemisphere, cause, uh, well, does it, is it on both hemispheres? I guess it would be right. Um, I is think this one, too? I think this one also is in the Southern hemisphere. Oh, yeah. There you go. So if you, if you're on planet earth, watch the meteor shower uh, sorry people living in the moon well we don't know if they're really there yet uh and you you you're into astronomy too right benjamin you have some telescopes and you and you're i have a big dobsonian telescope he's over got, there he's got it's a cannon what did what did your wife call the cannon your cannon I, again i came home from a poker game i won it in a poker game <laughs> and i showed up and i and i pulled the whole thing out of the car and my wife's like, what the hell did you just do? I'm like, I got this. <laughs> a water heater? Because it's massive, like a water heater. It's almost as tall as me. I'm 6'5". And yeah. it's this big white cylinder. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a, it's a telescope. It's a Dobsonian telescope. She's like, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, look at the moon. <laughs> I'm, I'm still stuck no, on the fact that you won it in a poker game. And you know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to win a poker game <laughs> telescope as well sometime <laughs> in the near future. From yeah. now on, he has set the bar of uh, going to betting games, poker games. You'll show up at the table and be like, is there a telescope available? <laughs> no, I went betting? to my buddy's house and uh, we were there. His dad was there, which was great. And uh, So there are witnesses. You didn't just buy oh, a telescope yeah. and claim that you won it in poker. <laughs> and, and, my, and he was having a, he was in a pretty low point. He's, 
he's fine now. He's a great guy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and his dad was there for support, and the buddies and me, myself included, all showed up, and were you know just there for him, and it was great. And pats on the back, some food, a couple of drinks. Let's play poker. We played for money, not a lot. And then towards <laughs> the end, he just the hell with it. Putting, Benjamin, you like science, right? I'm putting that on the table. Well, metaphorically speaking, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. be a big thing to put and, on uh, the table. I was like, you don't have to. I'm like, well, he's like, yeah, if you win, you win. And I didn't think I would win, actually. And I did. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's get that in the car. And, I, and I'm, I'm guessing if you're six five, I'm five ten. Um, and if it's about as tall as you, that must be a twelve yep. inch dob, which is what yep. I also I have a twelve inch. And those, those are monstrous telescopes. I have a sneaky suspicion that it was too cumbersome for him to use quite regularly. And he probably was like, mm, I can let it go. That's yeah. kind of how I acquired mine too. Pretty it was much. a woman yeah, who was yeah, like, she was like, I can, I can sell it to you really cheap. I just, it lives in a closet. Cause it is, it's, they're big and they're, they're big. They're, big. they're not easy to, to schluff around. So <laughs> well, yours is the water boiler. What the water heater? Water, water heater. boiler. Yeah, yeah. mine are. It doesn't have any electronic parts at all. You have to physically move it wherever you want. So it's excellent yes. for looking at the moon, a big yes. target. Um, if I'm able to bullseye Saturn or Jupiter, even um, you get a oh, you, you get a you pretty don't even have uh, an easy finder dec- on it, huh? You get a decent, okay view of it, but okay. uh, it moves out of frame too quick. Yeah, but it's mm. nice. I've seen I've seen uh, the Galilean Galilean moons and yeah. And, yeah, I yeah. lost my mind running around the neighborhood screaming, oh you my should, God. <laughs> you should buy uh, an easy finder and just attach it onto it. Well, it has an easy finder on it. Oh, it does? Oh. I don't know how accurately lined up it is with the oh. telescope as a whole. So okay. it's excellent, well, so, for, excellent for craters in the moon. Excellent. excellent. Sure, sure, sure. I Well, I mine get out of the line too. And so what I do is during the daytime, I go out into my neighborhood and I find people's uh, chimneys or some point on the top mm-hmm, of their house to, mm-hmm. to, to do my, yeah. yeah, to line them up together. Brilliant. And Brilliant. so then when my neighbors come out later to look through my telescope, I'm like, I promise I'm not trying to like look in your house or be <laughs> or like, you know, uh, <laughs> be peeping Tom, if you will. I, I'm just trying to align my telescopes. Uh, we're going to take a break and we will... I guess, continue talking about perhaps meteor showers or telescopes or something like that. And I hope that, you know, this is entertaining for everyone involved. (laughs) I will go get more helium if I need to. You're listening to the Space K Sarah Show with space nerds Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space K Sarah Show with space nerds Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. I have to admit, um, the helium had made, made, like, my mouth is really dry now. <laughs> That's why I'm hesitating, uh, breathing in any more of it, which, again, I really, I think I need to do a little bit of research on the science of what helium, like, why does, it must be because it's a lighter gas than air. That must be why it makes your voice high-pitched. But, like, sure. what What's happening to your body when you're breathing in helium? I'm just really intrigued. I'll uh, make that my homework for the week. Speaking of homework, that's what Kavi uh, is going to have to run off to. <laughs> He's on yeah, yeah. Here, Mr. Yeah, yeah. Ingrid uh, and 
I'm going to be starting back up in a couple of weeks myself. And uh, lucky. And yeah, well, and actually, I was telling Kavi before we started recording all together that I'm also going to apply for a PhD. So I, I know. Uh, I really actually am hoping to do a, a, an academic paper, a research paper on like the history of science communication. So we actually dipped into that a little bit in that last segment because I want to think about starting it from like the point of the ancients from like the Egyptians or the Greeks or the Romans, because even though they probably didn't call it science communication, it was communicating science. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. In their just own as, Just as Kavi said, it was uh, somebody communicating science when they understood when the seasons were for uh, looking for emu eggs and when it was time to let them be. And, and that's science communication at its, you know, at its rawest, it's one of the right. ones that's most important when this is right. helping us survive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. The other, the other cool example that I always think about with Aboriginal astronomy, it's actually something that is cross-cultural and it's with the Pleiades, with the, the seven mm -hmm. sisters. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's crazy to me is the fact that more or less the exact same story exists, not just in Aboriginal culture, but also in Japanese culture, right? Yep. Where it's called the, the Subaru yep. constellation. Um, yep. Same thing in ancient Greek. I mean, the, 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 the fact that in multiple, like totally separate cultures separated both by space and time, um, they all had a similar story about um, seven young girls. And I think in some cases, it's like seven young girls running away from a hunter, which was Orion, mm -hmm. the Orion constellation with the hunter chasing after them. But what's crazy is that I think that f with the naked eye, you can only see six of the seven sisters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And the fact that these stories, you know, were communicated in the form of there are seven stars and the seventh sister, there was, you know, some kind of story that would be made up to describe why she was missing or why she was being quiet or something like that. Yeah. Like That's an active communication of a scientific fact. The fact that there's mm -hmm. a variable star that changes in brightness. I mean... Mm -hmm. There's, there, there's no like active use of that, like the emu egg uh, the right. story. It's this is like, story. this is a story that communicates science. Yeah. yeah. I love that example. And actually, is it, is it nerdy? Yes. You, I mean, <laughs> yes. Is short it answer, yes. <laughs> I drive, I drive a Subaru Outback and it, it always just, I, like, I know that that's why Subaru is Subaru and their logo are those little stars on it because it's because of that. And when mm -hmm. you, also, I am today years old. When I <laughs> you didn't know that? Yeah. No, that's why, oh my God. That's why Subaru I am today years old. And, and then they actually I'm gonna came buy up. I'm going to Subaru from now on. That's it. <laughs> that, that's why they um, name also when you turn on the car, like their electronic, I don't know, programming, if you will, is called Starlink, which they named that before Elon and, and Starlink. <laughs> so when I turn on my car, I always see Starlink and I'm like, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's delightfully nerdy. That's so cool. Yeah, my next car I'm is, is such either going to be. a good day right now. <laughs> should should we not talk about the Nissan Pulsar? <laughs> we, we won't talk about. That. What's a Pulsar? <laughs> oh gosh. We'll do a Pulsar uh, episode. Don't worry. We'll do. I feel like if we are are going to do a Pulsar episode and we're talking about science communication. That makes me think of the golden records and how a pulsar is one of the things that is mm -hmm. on the record to use as yes. a as a directional. Um, Actually, there's several pulsars, right? There, I think yeah, but the I, nearest uh, dozen or so. If I'm not mistaken, though, if 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 something if were to find 
the golden record like way out there those pulsars might not be actually like directionally accurate anymore from what i understood if it's like think... if it went for billions of years oh billions well, of years yeah. Yeah, like once it's it, left like the it's... galaxy yeah it's probably not i don't remember i remember reading something about that randomly in passing that like it might not be i think those accurate. the aliens might get lost <laughs> i think those directions might be somewhat accurate for a good long time to come sure. as far as yeah. billions of years ago i don't think any stellar coordinates would be good and Good I mean, Earth won't even be here in billions of years. Yeah, Earth right? won't even be here. What do you matter? You know, we missed out on what looks like a good time. They sent they sent semi nudes on their <laughs> on their records. Yeah, why these <laughs> these weird ape like creatures sending us naked pictures and and directions Actually, to their house? The nudes went out on Pioneer, and for Voyager, they toned it down a little bit. Yes. It was just silhouettes of a... Yes, the, the smut in space. But if you're able to... Smut uh, in space. If you open up the record, if you open up the record, there's a casing and then the record's inside and behind the record there's a, a player and all the little pieces you would need and instructions supposedly to get the information off of it, sound, mm. the eventual images. If you can get the bitmap images that are encoded in the record, then you'll see a few uh, <clears throat> naughty bits. Uh, <laughs> so, so the naughty bits are hidden in a secret file. Gotcha. But, and, 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 it's not a, and not in a vulgar way either. It's like a woman no, no, breastfeeding no. a baby or a, a hunter wearing not much in the mm. Amazon yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. So you will see our anatomy, but not just like, you know, standing there. Hello. Right. <laughs> right. Hello. Well, yeah, we'll have we have lots of ideas apparently for what is to come, what we're working on. Speaking of what we're working on and what what you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we what we want to look ahead to about bringing to this new show and one thing we really would like to do is highlight people or organizations or things that are doing good with science or for science and mm-hmm. um I need to coordinate things with him, but I have been involved with for quite some time, and I don't know if have you have two Kavi? Yeah. Um, with a friend of ours named Lee Giat, who mm. has a, a really, really ambitious project that he's going to be doing, which is flying stem supplies to uh, up and down all of Latin America. And after many, 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 many COVID delays, he is finally going to be able to go in December. So we will definitely be looking at bringing him on and um, letting him talk about his cause and how you can help support, you know, this really, I mean, it, I do pretty extreme adventurous things. Like I scuba dive, I went to Mount Everest base camp, but what he's doing, he's flying solo. And then there will be ground support crews that are going to, you know, drive and meet him from point to point, but he's flying by himself down Latin America. And he's actually training too to uh, breathe, with supplemental oxygen so that he can go up higher because his plane isn't pressurized. So um, he'll be a really, a really amazing person to bring on and, and kind of fits our objective of what we would like to do, which is to bring people and organizations and companies on to talk about the awesome things that they're doing. The power of science for good, not sending smut into space. But for good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The records are like my favorite thing. Did we send smut? Did we? It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I love that record. You're right. You're right, though. Like the whole the whole project that Lee's doing, uh, which I think you can you can look it up if you look up uh, Passage Science um, on social media. Um, I mean, he's flying a plane specially designed called the Spirit of Science, uh, 
uh, all through Latin America, Central and South America, um, with to a bunch of different schools, and he's taking telescopes. I mean, if you could see the photos of just like a cargo bay full of telescopes and educational equipment, and he's going to go down there and speak to these kids, um, and you know, show them the night sky, some of them for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's really incredible, and the fact that he's yes. doing it alone is just wow. Yeah, it's he's doing it alone. But then also he's going to um, have a like a follow up support for the educators in those areas to like make sure that it's not just a one and done. It's a it's an ongoing educational project that even after he's gone, he's going to have, uh, you know, training and and um, supplemental kind of things sent to these teachers. And the, so he has like points of contact out there to make sure that this isn't just a this isn't just a show for him to do something. It's actually for a long term uh, mm-hmm. yeah help help expose kids to science it's it's really Absolutely. incredible so we will be looking forward to bringing that within probably the next couple of weeks we're also really excited anxious anxiously excited about the upcoming launch of sls and artemis one and you've you've been to some launches right ben i have um yeah. there is plenty of room for all the people that want to come to see a launch and there's plenty of places to watch a launch from um of course nothing beats being invited onto kennedy you know by nasa itself and watch from there right uh, but there are there's coco beach which is right nearby it's a famous beach but it's also a monstrously big beach and you can watch rockets you might not be able to see the rocket on the launch pad depending where you are on the beach but you will hear it take off and just you feel it as well right when, when it, it launches absolutely. you kind of like see so the one the one that i was there was in on launch and then all of a sudden yeah. boom right in your chest right you'll feel it and uh from coco beach you will uh uh once it passes the, the tree line you'll start seeing it going up and some of these rockets are monstrously huge especially sls oh my yeah God. this is the like biggest the biggest one in a long time yeah so you will definitely see it and as it starts going up all of a sudden you suddenly hear it and uh, that rumble is a, it's it, it's a it's a. I, I feel bad almost for people who work at NASA. They're used to it, <laughs> so it's just another rocket. But for anybody who sees it for the first time, it's an insanely interesting sensation. Yeah. You watch this thing go up, and then, you know, cause speed of light's faster than the speed of sound, and then you hear it, and yeah. uh, it's and the minimum safe distance is three miles. So you're not like very close at all, to be honest. So right. you're three miles away. So you, that thing's already booking by the time you hear it. And it's yeah. loud. It's Between that bad, or though, um, super heavy. SpaceX is uh, launching its, its uh, rocket, I think, in a month or so as well. It's first orbital test. And that's equally as big as uh, SLS. So opportunities about. Yeah. So the launches are great. And people like us who watch these things like other people watch sports it's a big deal for us to watch the launches and watch the booster separation and that's like for us that's <laughs> that's the game yep. that's the best day <laughs> right but the, when the pictures are coming back and they start making the headlines that's what people tune in to see more because this sure. is the final result they don't care about the building of the rocket or the launching of the rocket or the travel time whatever it's like show me what you got and yeah. that's, what gets, that's what gets people excited and that's yeah. what makes people People talk about the Apollo effect of how like a generation of, of scientists were born you know, after seeing the Apollo missions. And I think really like the thing that caused the Apollo effect wasn't the fact that they were trying to get to the moon. It was the fact that they got to the moon, you know? Yeah. It was the fact that they achieved something that people could look at and just say, 
wow. Like it's just, yeah. it's just something mind blowing, <laughs> you know, like just like, wow. Wow. <laughs> just wow. Well, we're going to need to wrap it up. I'm going to go grab one more balloon because I, I went and got this helium and it is a very precious rare element. So let me yeah, go waste yeah, it properly. Oh my gosh. I mean, when you think about what's actually happening with helium, you kind of have to realize that it's, it's not reacting to the other things that are around it, right? It's a noble gas. Right. So, You're so that could have something to do. Ooh, it's squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. Well, well that helium is reacting to what's around it because Sarah's around it. Yes. Right. <laughs> Just squeaky. It was good. That I'm glad that we had balloons to celebrate our the, the one week birthday of the show. The one week birthday yeah, of yeah, yeah. of the space cake Sarah's show. Next okay. time we'll have cake. <laughs> space cake. Space, space cake, cake, Sarah. Sure. Space cake, Sarah. So to wrap it up, we're going <laughs> to... Hold on. As a reminder, you are please welcome to go to irockspaceradio.com and join our crew club. We have a giveaway also with this episode, which was uh, one of the <clears throat> birthdays that were mentioned in the first part of the show. And if you missed it, then I guess, you know what? You're going to have to listen to the next airing of this. So if you're catching it in the morning, you're going to need to catch it in the evening. And hold on. You're going to want that shirt and hat, people. Yeah, shirt and hat. (laughs) Woo! Uh, And then we are, um, you know, I'm Space K Sarah 22 on Instagram. We have Fun Fact Science here on Instagram and science actually. science actually or actually science on all the various social media platforms okay. and i'm going to sign us out in in helium do it a helium case so you are listening to the space case sarah show with coffee and benjamin here on irock space radio can't wait to see what you sound like with lithium next week <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockSpaceRadio.com for more.